Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. So, Marty, I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature. Yes. And I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart? Well, I had this question, even as a young child, I would say, I am not happy. And people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing. And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, help others heal and heal the world, Mm. that this this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture. And people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches. People take the training because it's like getting life coaching yeah you know and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature yeah it was originally just a access your own true nature course Mm -hmm. but when you've mastered that you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with and they will pay you money so if that's the way you want to go that's why it ended up being life coach training but it's actually wayfinder which is different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to marthabeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will. Hi, this is Marty. And I'm Ro. And here we are at another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. I've been trying to figure it out lately by consulting our dog, Bilbo Baggins, Mm. but he just referred me to his personal assistant who turned out to be a garden gnome with a headset. So that wasn't much help. But then Marty came along and it turns out she speaks gnome. So they figured it out together in no time. Oh, Ro, in all humility, I do not speak gnome. I I read and write it, (laughs) which is weird because I kind of speak Chinese, but can't read and write it for beans. Fortunately. I don't even know what I would do with a Chinese garden gnome. Anyway, yeah, we figured it out. It's it, these are dark days, bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, our dog, Bilbo Baggins, if you guys don't know, is a cockapoo, which sounds cute. Don't believe it. It does not sound cute. It sounds like X-rated. Yeah, you're right. It does. It sounds like something that has something for every perversion, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's super smart. Oh my goodness, he's half Cocker Spaniel and half Poodle. We've got one dog that is as dumb as a sack of wet mice. And then this Bilbo Baggins who uses our credit cards regularly to, I don't know, subscribe to phone sex things where they want cockapoos. (laughs) He's probably getting paid. Anyway, along with the gnomes, they have planned our demise, frankly. Yeah, and they've been behind everything. Game of Thrones, um, 
bad dog judging decisions in, in dog shows, <laughs> game of dog shows. It's just, yeah, things, things are bad and getting worse, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I, didn't you think this about house cats in a recent episode as well? No, they are responsible for crime. Oh, yeah, okay. this is a whole different way of envisioning reality. I feel like there is going to have to be some sort of like sequel down the line that is the house cats, you know, facing up against <laughs> the cockapoos and the gnomes. Well, that'll take care of itself. <laughs> we'll just be reporting the news at that point. <laughs> no idea but what's going on. Seriously, Ra, what are you truly in your life trying mm. to figure out? No joke. Okay. No joke. I am trying to figure out you, really. I mean, you were just, (laughs) you're an endless. That's the best thing you could ever figure out. (laughs) Uh, It's certainly a challenge, this issue. So lately what I was trying to figure out is that um, you, as our listeners probably know, are responsible for some like really incredible prose that you churn out like fairly prolifically and I am lucky enough to sometimes be in the room when you're writing and you've recently started you know just nibbling around the corners of a new book and I books what can I say (laughs) and um, I was in the room with you we were both in our office and this is what happened so Marty's there writing what I later find out is breathtaking incredible brilliant Sales copy. Sorry. (laughs) Nonfiction prose. And um, type, 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 type. I'm typing, 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 doing my thing. And all of a sudden she says, it's like that cat who adopted the ducks. And I'm, I just wait to see if anything else is going to come out of it. No. She goes back to typing her brilliant (laughs) masterpiece level work. And then after a while, I hear a little voice pipe up again. Ducks? No, it was just one duck. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. go back. We go, do, 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 doing our work, doing our work, typing, typing the keys. And then all of a sudden she shouts out triumphantly, no, it was several ducks. <laughs> well, Yeah. And so I just, I'm just thinking about like the relationship, like what's happening, like neurologically between you changing people's lives with this brilliant writing. And then there's this completely other part that's just constantly ruminating on ducks. Ducks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it isn't just ducks. First of all, thank you for all that complimenting on my prose style because now the peeps are going to read it and go, this isn't, this isn't much good. It's not what Rose said, but <clears throat> thank you. Anyway, um, yeah, the, I, there are things you have to think about if you know them at all. Like certain things, I think it's a citizen's obligation to pay them some mind if we know they exist. Who's them? citizenry oh it's our moral obligation to think about certain things that we have known about (laughs) yes because they are because they pertain (laughs) (laughs) they freaking pertain bro please tell me where you're going okay well i don't really know but i will tell you this (laughs) you can look it up on google there was a cat a mother cat (laughs) 
You can Scabbies. look it up on Google. There was a cat. <laughs> there was a cat. You may even find more than one cat on Google. This particular mm-hmm. cat had kittens, and then there were some little ducklings. And she, they, I guess they were motherless ducklings, and she adopted them, which is one thing. It's one thing to adopt them, and maybe she's raising them to kill for Easter or something, right? That's what you'd expect a cat to do. Wow. We you... do that. Yeah, but... Whoa, you're thinking a lot of to kill for Easter? We do that. I we don't. piglets and then we kill them for Easter Jesus to Christ. celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to say Jesus in, in an insulting <laughs> way. I have a huge veneration for the Jesus, uh, truly. Anyway, I don't think he would have raised a pig to kill it for his birthday or whatever. <laughs> Rebirth day. Death day. He gets two days a year, doesn't he? He gets Christmas as his birthday. Then Easter's rebirth day. There you go. All right. Another thing to think about. My point is, here's what those ducks did. And what the cat did. The ducks and the cat did it together. She uh-huh. nursed them to adulthood. They freaking nursed, Ro. Ducks have bills. They do not. I don't even know what's a bird and what's a mammal now. Nurse is not. I don't know if it's universally understood to me, like the verb to nurse, primarily to me means someone is a nurse and they come and administer to you in it. Like, let's just say what we mean. Wait, wait, wait. What do, do Australian nurses not breastfeed you? (laughs) (laughs) Only the special ones. (laughs) You have to pay extra for that. It's not part of the socialized healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you at least have to tip them <laughs> so to speak move on all right i'm just saying what you're what you're sort of euphemistically saying is that these ducklings with their little beaks i don't care if they're supposed to be called their beaks it's the same they have little beaks and they somehow manage to wrap their little beaks yeah. around cat titties <laughs> <laughs> and, and extract milk to drink from that is that right they apparently did, to the point where they got huge. They were, like, bigger than any of the cats. <laughs> and then Mother Duck was still trying to get her. She's like, here, kids. I mean, this cat was very confused. And here's what I was thinking. Like, you and I have both. Uh, I don't even know what to say now. Both of us had children and fed them from our bodies. Yeah. Milk. Yeah? Yes. Now, what if you just weaned Lila? I did. What if you were like breastfeeding away and I would bring it like, Rowie, I found this sick owlet in the forest. You could, you have two. Why can't the owlet nurse? That owlet would have torn you rib from rib. Do you remember when, it was like when we didn't know each other very well. One of our earliest conversations and the time I think I first really made you laugh was I was telling you about how in Australia, because of the marsupials, if you see roadkill that looks relatively fresh, you have to stop your car and go look in the pouch in case there's a little baby that's still alive. And that's just considered good form mm. in Australia. And and Marty says to me, what do you do if you find them? And I said, well, you've you got to breastfeed them. <laughs> and it was the first time I made you laugh. And I remember it very fondly. Oh, it made me laugh again <laughs> just now. Oh. Okay, but these, yeah, the the duck, the cat, it was several ducks. It was several ducks. <laughs> that's the that's the punchline. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, you wrote a third of a book that will change lives worldwide. Uh, it's just different. It was several ducks. 
Well, actually, that's what I'm trying to figure. Now that you mention it, I'm trying to figure out ducks because the things are freakish. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those ducks not only, like, slurped that cat until they were <laughs> until they were massive and monstrous and then they ran away and she had to keep getting out and catching them and bringing them back and trying to get them to nurse more and then they grew up to be the weirdest creatures and you see them you think they're normal they're not normal they have 10 inch deciduous penises corkscrew shaped i think that this is like what is going on like this is you're you're just revealing what that monologue was in that room while you typed out this life-changing prose uh, it was doing this just you know well, deciduous I, corkscrew shaped penises. absolutely and and i think that you are an such a lesbian because when i said 10 inch deciduous penis corkscrew shaped you were like huh now any <laughs> <laughs> been there done that <laughs> <laughs> any Heteros- any woman with one molecule of heterosexuality would have gone, corkscrew straight, corkscrew shaped <laughs> deciduous penis. What world am I living in? I accuse you of being a lesbian because you just Freudian slipped corkscrew <laughs> scrape. <laughs> Cork- corkscrew scrapes penis. <laughs> But no, they fall off every year. They do. <laughs> and then the duck has to like swim around. And I think during what the time. What happens to them after they fall off? Like the penis. Well, for a while, the duck can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think because of the penis. That was they were like using it as a rudder in the air. <laughs> but, um, oh my gosh, Google duck penises. You'll never, ever have a good night's sleep again. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but, but yeah, I think their feathers fall out at the same time and then they can only swim for their lives if something attacks them, like <laughs> a cat. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just suddenly landed in the middle of the absurdity that is this conversation. And I Wait, just love you all the more. It gets better. <laughs> if you've got a flock of ducks... And like, for some reason, a whole bunch of the male ducks get taken out or a whole bunch of the female ducks get taken out and the population taken out for dinner. (laughs) Yeah, that's a nice pun. Tell that to a duck. Do you want to come for dinner and then (laughs) kill it for Easter because you're human, damn it. Okay. no, if the duck uh, sex ratio, biological sex ratio, I'm not talking about identity. Okay. If the biological sex ratio changes so there's a lot more male than female or vice versa, a certain number of the ducks will switch gender. Like a totally male duck, fully fitted with a deciduous corkscrew-shaped penis, will decide, I'm just going to be female. And then make the shift and be able to have eggs and babies and, I don't know, nurse cats. It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. I mean, no wonder I sit there in fear thinking about ducks. Could you please just do me a favor and say biological sex ratio one more time? Biological sex ratio. Thank you. And I think it's not a coincidence that in duck, I mean in German. (laughs) (laughs) Do you also speak and read duck in addition to gnome? I don't read it so much, but I speak it and write it. No, but the word for ducks in German is Enten. So when you say, then come the Enten, it means then come the ducks. But it sounds like then comes the end. 
See, here's the thing. When you're raised in an apocalyptic religion, such as Mormonism, which I was, you're constantly being told as a small baby that the end is near and it could come from any direction. Is it any wonder I fear the world? And the ducks. And the gnomes. Yeah, I mean, and the house cats. No kidding. Plus the cockapoo revolution. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, again with the insulting Jesus. I don't mean to. No. Lots of, like, veneration. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh! By coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called the change cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right, you can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. Now, Marty, before we go any further in this podcast, we have something to address from an earlier episode. Ooh. Yes. We did talk about our relationship a couple of episodes ago, I don't remember what number, but if you're curious, just listen to all of them. They're all good. Hey, just go back. You won't regret it. Anyway, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about our relationship and I made the terrible mistake of appearing to diss your ring story, <gasps> which was that I said, Marty finds ways to make our relationship seem less strange by coming like fixating on particular details or anecdotes that she thinks will make people think it's completely normal. Mm. So I was like, yeah, she thinks that telling a story about our rings will. <laughs> so I got well and truly schooled on Instagram. As by... well you should. Well, I guess so. The people have spoken and they wanted to hear the ring story. Uh -huh. I just want to say that... Maybe once you guys have heard it, you'll understand why I was like, it's not that big a deal. But anyway, Marty, please, would you tell the story of our rings? Listen, every ring story is a big story because I think we have a primordial relationship with ring stories. I mean, Wagner's Ring der Nübelung and, uh, and, and the Lord of the Rings. Like the rings are a big deal. I think we have a biological imprint of stories about rings. I know one. In... Uh, C.S. Lewis in The Magician's Nephew, you put on, you get a gold ring and a, or a green ring. You put one or the other on and then you jump into a pool. Do you remember this? No. And you go through the pool into a different world depending on whether you put the yellow ring or the green ring on your finger. Oh, you just undermined your point because that is fascinating. I love that. Yeah, it's like all honey badgers are attracted to things the size and shape of a softball. Like, right, you can give them a softball, they will tear it to shreds. Mm. Mm. The reason being that they eat dung beetle maggots that are stored inside oh. balls of dung the size and shape of a softball. That you, is not what I'm talking about. Marty, you are such, like, you're a nerd in such a disturbing way. <laughs> you're a nerd about disturbing things. Oh. Continue. I love the animals. But anyway, they love softballs. We love rings in much the same way, <laughs> I feel. So here's the thing. We have an odd relationship. 
in case you didn't listen to that other episode, it is odd in 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 the sense of odd number of yes. people in that relationship. Yes, yes. It's even a prime number. It's mathematical. <laughs> oh okay. my god! It is. All right. Listen, though. Here is how I will explain it. There are three of us in the relationship, but but go listen to that episode because. You know, people found it much more normal once least, they listened to that. At least they didn't try to hurt us, which we really thought they would. I mean... I didn't think they would. I loved them from the, the beginning. Well, I love them, and that makes me even more worried about them hurting me. Mm. Well, we'll, be- we'll explore that more later, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here's the deal. So we were like, hey, uh, we all love each other, and it's seeming to last for years on end. we got to do something about this. So how people wear rings on their ring finger to show that they're committed to someone well we discovered i discovered there are three colors of gold there you go i Hello. didn't know about that rose was Rose was telling me about rose gold which made me think she loves it whereas actually she doesn't love it which is no. confusing you should it's mm. your gold i know all right so anyway we got we had six rings made and each of us wears two and Karen and I each wear a very thin rose gold band to stand for row. Then Karen and Roe wear a very slender, same kind of white gold band to stand for me because of my sort of <laughs> silvery <laughs> and metallic complexion. <laughs> and then there's yellow gold for Karen. And Roe and I each wear a yellow gold ring. So, And all we have to do is like show our hands and people go... Oh, well, shit, I could wear two rings. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's completely normal. It makes complete sense now. <laughs> That's the ring story. There you go. Also, they were forged by Alberic the Dwarf under the River Rhine. Ta-da! Oh, no. I don't know which one. Not a big opera fan. Couldn't tell. <laughs> I'm probably slightly larger opera fan than some people. My dad I, used to go around to his friend Mark's house every weekend and they would get really stoned and listen to Wagner. Really? Yeah. I always speaking knew I liked of, your father. Speaking of weird nerds, <laughs> non-standard <laughs> nerds. I love that man. Yeah, he's a good one. All right. So, hey, hey, guess what? What, what, what? We have a new kind of episode. Dude. This right. is big news. How are we only getting to this now? It's changed our lives. I know. And it's all your fault, listeners, because I did ask on Instagram. I said, what if we just did a few episodes here and there that are about what you guys have to say? And you are all about it. So here we are doing that thing you asked for. Can't do us for it. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And we call it The, the Be Wild Files. Which is just so good. Both of us just said that and then just took a moment because it was such a good night. <laughs> we just had to smile and smile. We did. Yeah, we're going to get this technologically um, slick as a whistle someday. Um, we're gonna... Slick as a whistle. That's the thing. It's Shh. not ducks. Ducks aren't. Well, they are. They're slick. Clean as a whistle, sharp as a thistle. Clean as a whistle is a thing. Yeah, but you said slick as a whistle. Ew. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted the flow. Yeah, what we're going to do is we want to hear, actually hear your voices. So we're working in the background to get that to happen. And in the meantime, no worries. We'll just go back to some previously 
elicited or solicited. I can never remember. Elicited. Elicited. You didn't solicit. You haven't been soliciting again, have you? (laughs) (laughs) With our listeners, no less. (laughs) Oh, there's so many things I want to say right now and I'm censoring all of them. Okay. Yeah. So, um... Follow follow me on Instagram if you don't already because that's where we put up stuff about the show that's coming up and news about how we can hear your voices because we want to. But for the moment, here is the previously elicited content that we're going to talk about on the Be Wild Files. The Be Wild Files! Welcome! Hey! So our first ever question on the Be Wild Files comes from Tana, who says she's trying to figure out, or he, or they, is trying to figure out being so distressed by and happy with the same exact life, depending on the day. I totally relate to that. Oh, me too. Oh my God, so much. I'm either like, we have, we have a friend who has only two mood states. One is, <laughs> what a time to be alive. And the other one is, I wish I'd never been born. <laughs> and that's me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's different ways that you could look at Tanner's situation. So she, this is what she's trying to figure out. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm sort of like, well, that's called having different moods. But I think what she's getting at is where she says with the same exact life, I think maybe what she's looking at is like the life choices we make and the place we end up at the as, as the consequence of our decisions and everything. Yeah. And and so on some days you're like, this is brilliant. I'm doing exactly what, you know, I came on earth to do, blah, blah, blah. And then on another day you could just be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have. I always think I should have agreed to – quit my job and move onto a canal boat in Amsterdam with my boyfriend at the time when he brought that up in 2003. And I always think, but I was too scared to give up my waitressing job. I felt like I'd be letting them down. So Gloriola. I, so I, I said, no, we shouldn't do that. And I think, I wonder where I'd be now. We were going to houseboat in Amsterdam is where you'd be. And I'd be so sad. No, we were going to like go through all the canals of Europe. Oh, yeah. Good God, you could be anywhere. <laughs> but dumped out into the Black Sea and just be swimming around looking for sturgeon or something. I'm sh- oh, that is such a you thing to say. What about you? Do you have any of those like sliding doors things that you look back on? Uh, yeah. There was this one time, the last time they asked me to come on the Oprah show. Oh, yes. I had gathered a group of my friends from all around the, the world, really. Some from South Africa and like some of my favorite people who'd gone through my coach training and people I really thought were movers and shakers in the world. And they are. And we were all going to do this thing we called the purpose project, which was ironic because we had no idea what the purpose of it was. (laughs) We just felt this sense of purpose, damn it. And we were going to go do everything that everybody in the group did. Like, you know, Michael made fire and, uh, somebody else was doing, uh, Boyd was doing tracking and, we all had different things that we did. I did coaching and drawing and everything. And we were all gathered and the Oprah show called. Oh, wow. And said, can you come on tomorrow? Because the Oprah show does not give you like a month to plan it. Or they didn't. This was in the big days of the Oprah show. And I was like, you know what? I actually can't come. And I remember Karen was standing there and she went pale. And oh. she said, they're never going to have you on again. And she was right. Yeah. Because when the Oprah people said jump, you said how high. Yeah. It was over. 
Yeah. And that's not Oprah, by the way. That's not her personality, but it was the, you know, the whole organization was huge. Sure. So um, They probably weren't used to people saying no. No, they were not. I mean, the woman was absolutely stunned and angry. And that was <laughs> it for me and the Oprah show. And I don't know if that was causal, but sometimes I think if I hadn't gone off to Montana and discovered my alfalfa al- allergy on that trip... <laughs> <laughs> where would I be? Where would you be now? And it was one where, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is I'm interesting. Glad I went. So yeah, Tana, I th- I get why you're trying to figure that out. Um, and but can I say one thing? Yes, by all means. This is literally when I read the question. This is what came out of the other side of my brain. So, oh, good. Just so you know, and this has nothing to do with it, but dolphins sleep one side of the brain at a time. And what shape are their penises? They're actually quite human-shaped. In fact... Aren't they prehensile? No. There were, that's elephants. There was a researcher, <laughs> and this is true, there was a researcher who decided to see what would happen if dolphins lived amongst the humans free and clear. <laughs> and so he made this house that was half underwater, and he hired this woman researcher to live in the house with a dolphin. <laughs> the dolphin a few weeks in started pressuring her for sex in a very obvious way he'd come poke her with his nose but he was like ready for action and you know it's not dissimilar and uh excuse me i would just like to interject i'm so sorry about this tana you never this is going to definitely when she listens to this it's definitely going to be one of the days that she's so (laughs) distressed by her life but i just want to say that the smithsonian itself in an article entitled <laughs> Nine of the Weirdest Penises in the Animal Kingdom, notes, dolphins are known for their intelligence, promiscuity, and absurdly dexterous penises. Oh. They have a prehensile penis, <gasps> meaning it can swivel, grab, and grope. Hey, that's not me saying it. That's the Smithsonian. Oh, oh. I am definitely lesbian now. Oh, anyway. sorry. I just, there's this really interesting... <laughs> A prehensile penis makes helps males navigate the complex labyrinth-like reproductive tracts of female dolphins. I feel like there's some sort of duck dolphin, like maybe ducks would be better off with mm. female, you know, male ducks, female dolphins. I'm sorry. I was just thinking how complicated it would be to be a dolphin lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to grope with. You just have flippers. <laughs> This is really, this podcast is just going downhill. Don't let the children listen to this. (laughs) Anyway, she started, the dolphin started pressuring this woman for sex. Mm -hmm. And she wrote in her lab notes, which were very formal science, he will not go away. (laughs) (laughs) So a a hand to God, she started giving him hand jobs. Oh, I used hand to God in conjunction (laughs) with giving a dolphin, a prehensile groping dolphin, a hand job. We're losing all our listeners. Oh, my God. Tana asked a really good question. Should we really have talked about penises this much? What I was going to say is dolphins sleep one half of the brain at a time. And I think half my brain is thinking, doot, 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 doot. And the other half is thinking... I remember a story from a sacred tradition that addresses this directly. <laughs> and, and I do. All right? So, okay. Bring it back down. Bring it down, Ro. Um, land the plane! <laughs> you land the damn plane for once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
so in the Sufi tradition, so the mystical, a uh, mystical branch of, of Islam, um, beautiful, beautiful writing, there is what's called a holy fool. And this is in like Shakespeare's plays, it would be like the, the king's fool that would say the wise things. Yeah, like the court jester. Yeah. And um, there was, there's a holy fool in the Sufi tradition called Nasruddin. And Nasruddin is always doing things that are sort of trickster-like, but they have a point. And this is what I have to say about the way I experience my life is either unbelievable, what a time to be alive, or I wish I'd never been born. So Nasruddin is walking down the road, and up alongside him walks a very sad man with a big bundle over his shoulder. And they get talking, and Nasruddin says, why are you so sad? And the man says, well, I am a prince, and I was born, I've had everything, except I am like, really depressed all the time and life seems so pointless and miserable and you know I wish I'd never been born <laughs> and Nasruddin says oh and he grabs the man's bundle and rushes off into the forest and the man is like what and then Nasruddin takes a shortcut and runs ahead on the same road and puts the bundle in the middle of the road and then he waits and here comes the depressed prince looking like, oh, I've lost all my stuff. I wish I'd never been born. And there in the middle of the road is the bundle of stuff he had all along. Mm -hmm. And he, he looks at it. He goes through it. He finds that he has exactly the things he had before. And he starts jumping up and down with joy. Oh, my God, I'm so glad. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. And Nasruddin from the bushes says, funny what it takes to make some people happy. <laughs> and I think we're all like that, right? It's perfect, yeah. And it's about focus of attention. Like, what are, you, what are you turning your attention to, the dark part of your life or the bright part of your life? And I think it's good to have both. Yeah. It's all part of the richness of the experience. But if you stay too long in the, in the dark, sometimes it's good to pretend that you've lost all your possessions to a robbery, and then you look around and they're all still there, and you're really happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, what's interesting to me is, is I just, I got an email this morning from a friend in back in Melbourne and she was saying, you know, Melbourne's had such a rough time because they've just been in lockdown for longer than any other city in the world, any other place in the world. And, um, it's just miserable. And my friend was saying, and, and this was very much the sort of sentiment I keep hearing from people is she said, you know, it's, it's pretty bad over here. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm so grateful that we've got what we need, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't blah, blah, blah. And it was just interesting to me that as I read that, I thought, yes, I've heard like people, adversity, what I'm trying to say is adversity can ironically sometimes push us towards that recognition, yeah. you know, when it's, when it's strong enough. Like if, if life is just kind of tepid and going on and going on, um, I think maybe there's like a human tendency to start dwelling on the, the negative things and mm -hmm. that sometimes like getting thwacked over yeah. can, can force you to. It actually is called a negativity bias and it's oh. firmly established in research psychology. We focus on what's negative because ev in evolutionary terms, that's like, okay, everything looks great, but Ooh, there's a Cobra. So you want to focus on the Cobra until you get it out of the space but unfortunately the human brain will find anything to be the cobra it just wants to find something negative so yeah i actually think you have to school the brain away from that and there's lots of research that says if you just like refocus on gratitude is one of the biggest things to come out of positive psychology that it actually reshapes the brain to be happier hmm. and i'm not saying oh everything's fine just smile but 
really, truly, like our friend Anita Morjami, who <laughs> died of cancer and then came back. Great story, reader book. Um, she, I said, how do you get from total misery all the way to joy? And she said, okay, if you're in total misery, you can at least accept that you're in total mi misery and you can come to peace with it. The moment you're in peace with it, you're within shouting distance of gratitude. And once you've got gratitude, you can go to appreciation. And once you're in appreciation, it's just a little hop over to joy. And I thought that was really cool. It is cool. It's like you could actually do a practice, like a daily practice of, of going through those stages. I love it. It's so good when someone, like, the thing about spirituality is it's just so difficult to grasp sometimes, isn't it? And so it's like such a great thing when someone goes, step one, step two. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I mean, thank, thanks, for, Anita. On, on behalf of Anita Morjani and, <laughs> and Nasruddin. Okay, so who's next? Who's next, next, we have Alison. And what she was trying to figure out is she says, we've lost wisdom around transitions, the importance of rituals around change. Mm. And I love this because I, and I think it's probably fair to say we, Marty and our family, are a little bit obsessed with ritualizing everything. Well, it has something to do with our main man about town. Yeah, that's true. Mr. Adam Beck. Mr. Adam Beck himself. He has Down syndrome. I'm not sure if that's what causes this, but he is very, very specific about what rituals have to be performed at every hour of the day. Mm. You know what it reminds me of? I don't know. I may be wrong about this. Um, you've spent more time in Bali than I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a civilization that never got colonized and it's deeply Hindu and when every time I'm there I'm there's always a ceremony going on it's like mm. every moment of every day every day of every week every week of every month is special and they do it actually shows you that people even in ancient times spent a lot of time with beauty with um with protocol with dance with all these mm. ways of saying this is this moment in our lives and it's important. Oh, yeah, that's so well put. No, it's true. I mean, in, in Bali, you go to visit a temple that you've read about and you go in and then you realize, oh, I'm going to be here for seven hours because I've got to sit down because we're in the middle of something very sacred. And you don't actually have to even understand what it is to appreciate that quality. So it's interesting that Alison's talking about specifically rituals around change. Yeah, because here's the other thing that brings up for me. I used to be obsessed with I was very depressed about change even when I was a child the very first oh my god it was so bad the first poem I ever wrote I had to write it for uh, junior class English at, in high school and I was so I have such a reverence for the written word that I couldn't sleep for five nights in a row because I was supposed to write a poem <laughs> so finally um, Maybe you should have just been thinking about ducks and letting that part oh, of your mind. I know that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, my pediatrician, my pediatrician put me on Valium. <laughs> oh my God. And I finally went to sleep and I woke up and wrote a sonnet about transience. Oh dear. Yes. Oh, the, of course the fact you did. that everything changes. And I later, um, I, I was dating this guy and he said. Was it your pediatrician? <laughs> 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 no, but it helped to have the Valium. But uh, he said, you know, what What bothers you about the world? And he was very poetic. And I said, transience. And he thought I was talking about homeless people. He got really angry at me and I didn't know why. He's like, how can you say that? They're people too. And I'm like, everything changes. 
<laughs> and yeah, it wasn't a good relationship. It did not end well. Anyway, anyway, then I grow up and go to Asia and find out there's a whole religious philosophical tradition based on the fact that everything is always changing and that like the Tibetan rituals are all about change. That's why they make the big sand mandalas that are beautiful and it takes weeks to make. And then they just blow on them or sweep them and they're gone forever. And they would never keep them because every ritual is about the present moment and the beauty of the present moment and attaching to the thing that you've made or the thing you're experiencing or this moment now is a surefire recipe for misery because everything's always changing. Yeah, but it seems to me that there's two different things because I feel like you're talking about rituals that celebrate the concept of change or the transience of, of mortality, whatever it is. But I think what Alison's saying is actually rituals that mark concrete changes in our lives. Mm. Like, so I'm thinking about, I don't know, like puberty or um, <laughs> menopause. <laughs> That's all I got. Those are the only Those changes. Those are the two. Those are the two. And <laughs> when your penis falls off. Those are <laughs> the three occasions you want to mark. I wonder how you design that. So anyway, I'm just thinking what are um, some rituals that we should have in our culture um, around – like, what are some change rituals? Let's design some. I love it. So I was thinking, what about, like, changes that, that we experience in contemporary bewildered life? Yeah. You know, what are some rituals that could go along with those changes? Oh, my weary soul is rejoicing even as you speak this. Right? Because I was thinking, like, the, there are moments that we have no way of, of really marking with the magic of that ceremony can have. And so I was thinking, for instance, a big one for me is, you know, the moment where you first move to wireless earbuds, you know, like all this time you've, you've been, you've been sort of only able to move your phone that far away from your head because you were mm. listening, carrying it around. Then all of that goes in the tethers that have connected you to your phone, to your audiobook, to your podcast. I feel so unmoored just right. talking about it. We have to have a ceremony for this. I feel like maybe what we should do is is just like take the old wired earbuds and um i don't know sacrifice them in a in a cleansing fire of some sort cleansing fire is good yeah uh, okay. you could also um bronze them yeah oh yeah yeah that's yeah, nice yeah. you could uh climb a tree and plant them at the very top of the tree for the birds it's the air burial did i ever tell you about the time at the ranch in california when our friend Maya, who at the time was about eight, and I pissed off the fairies in the sacred grove. No wonder. Do you know Mormons have a whole thing around the phrase sacred grove? But go on. What happened with you and Maya? What did you do to piss off the fairies? We wrote them a letter and put it in a hollow of the tree, and we went back the next day, and our letter had been ripped in half. Wow. I know. Anyway, so I should have probably they were expecting headphones. <laughs> One word, Sasquatch. Yeah, or squirrel, I oh, guess. Well. Anyway. Okay, yeah, so yeah, do something. I, I prefer air burial because I think fire burial is good for something else. Okay. And that is the moment when you realize that Facebook is really, truly dead to you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's 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 a big one in the bewildered life, isn't it? It's yeah. happening to more and more of my friends and family. It was such a wonderful place, a place mm. of celebration, a place of, um, you know, birthday parties and I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> more birthday parties. Memes. Cute animal videos. That was my favorite. But yeah. now I get my cute animal videos elsewhere. Oh, awkward. awkward. Awkward for Facebook. So what I was thinking is... You know, having some Viking blood in myself. You were <laughs> Irish, but you probably have Viking blood there too because they were always marauding and whatnot. Yeah. I think you should take Facebook, mm-hmm. make a little digital Viking ship, mm-hmm. then take your Facebook bookmark, mm-hmm. digitally move it. Drag, drag and drop. Drag and drop to the Viking ship. Yep. Digitally set it on fire and make it float off screen. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. There you go. That's a ritual right there for Alison. And if you can't do that, you're probably stuck with Facebook for a while, you loser. I could never <laughs> do it. <laughs> I could never, ever do that. <laughs> I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay, I've got What's a another one? one. Okay. All right. So this is, what ha- this is something about turning 40 that I discovered that I don't think you, you know about until you turn 40. And maybe I'm actually breaking some sort of like cultural pact by even revealing this, but who cares? It's it's funny, so I'm going to say it. So be, before you turn 40, you go to the doctor for your checkup and there are a list of questions they run through and they'll say, you know, da-da-da, do you smoke, do you drink, uh, are you sexually active? But I tell you what happens. When you turn 40, and I swear to God, like I was 40 and one month and I came to the doctor and it was like a completely different conversation. I go into the doctor, I sit down, do you smoke, do you drink? And then all of a sudden, have you had any recent falls? <laughs> and I was like, dude, you did not ask me that six months ago. And she got quite red and stammery and she was like, yeah, no, it, that, it is because of that. It is because now we don't ask if you're sexually active, we ask if you've fallen over. Oh, it was have devastating. You ever, have you had any recent falls in any attempt to be sexually active? <laughs> Well, you try it with a corkscrew penis. <laughs> we could be misquoted so grotesquely. Okay, here's the thing. I don't think it would be misquoted. Yeah, I think we're starting with grotesque. But I was thinking that's a really, it's an excellent point. It goes right along with the time you realize when you go in uh, to the doctor and the doctor is younger than you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, why are they having 12-year-olds, 12-year-olds be my doctor? Because, of course, you're always 25. Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser. They're all Doogie Hauser. Hazard. No, I think that what you should do at the age of 40 so that you can prepare for mm-hmm. this shift in the medical field right. is set up a ceremonial fall with uh-huh. everyone watching, like a banana peel out in public, slip, fall in the mud. Just get it over with, right? Like say, I am right. a person who has recent falls. Gotcha. Oh, that's really good. And, and like if people like stand around and applaud yeah. and like give, give you something nice to eat or maybe like a warm compress or something for your bad knee uh that would be also good can we tell the story about the person on and this was on the internet who knocked over an old lady in the street accidentally oh my god that's so funny (laughs) there's like a list that buzzfeed or someone put together of just like the funniest tweets about extremely awkward social moments and uh so this person um uh, we should we'll i'll try and find this and put this in the show notes okay remind me yeah um but he he like 
walked into an old woman on the street and he was in, he was so distraught to have like walked into this old woman that he tried to say two things at once. So he tried to say, are you okay? And I'm so fucking sorry. And instead he accidentally just shouted, are you fucking sorry? I think that should be part of the ceremony. Oh, yes. A younger person walks toward you. You fall. And the younger person shouts, are you fucking sorry? That's beautiful because it's also symbolic of your handing over it's the true. power and destiny. You're like, you really are the true. main generation now. Yeah. And then you get up and everyone gathers around you and you get in front of them and you say, get off my lawn. <laughs> Genius. And then you say... Do you kids have any idea how hard it was to trans to to send a meme in my day? <laughs> because I did. I used to, and swear to God, I would cut uh, uh, headlines out of magazines and put funny pictures, usually of animals, with them. And then I would put them. Uh, I would force my friends to look at them on paper, and I loved it. We didn't have earbuds. We had gravel. We put it in our ears, and we loved it. Gravel. Yeah. I would have been. Grateful to have gravel. Sorry, there's a there's another thing that we should put in the show notes, which is oh the goodness. four Yorkshiremen or the five Yorkshiremen. I don't remember how many Yorkshiremen, but it's a Monty Python skit, and we'll we'll get that to you too. It's good. Okay. So, Marty, I do hope that the peoples out there have enjoyed us, you know, delving into the Be Wild files for this episode. We're planning to do it more. As I said, follow me on Instagram so that you can find out how to get involved yeah get bewildered yeah figure out how to get to the place where you're figuring it out yeah like and stuff like that so yeah stay tuned and we will be back very soon with more and in the meantime stay Stay wild. wild we hope you're enjoying bewildered If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. For more of us, Martha's on Instagram, TheMarthaBeck. She's on Facebook, TheMarthaBeck. And she's on Twitter, MarthaBeck. Her website is MarthaBeck.com. And me, I too am on Instagram, Rowan underscore Mangan. I'm on Facebook as Rowan Mangan. And I'm on Twitter as Rowan Mangan. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I've put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think And the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.